Welcome to Angling Solutions with Red's Fly Shop. I'm your host, Joe Roeder. Today I interview my good friend, James St. Clair, after his first ever day of fishing the tropical flats for bonefish, permit, tarpon, snook, barracuda, and probably a couple other species. This was his first ever trip to any place tropical to fly fish. It's a great interview and a really fun perspective coming from somebody who had never even caught a bonefish before. So I think there's lots to learn for anybody who's looking at going on a big trip like this one. So enjoy the podcast and I hope you have as much fun listening as we did putting it together. All right, everybody, we're here at the lodge in Ascension Bay. Just got done with day one. And I'm here with my good pal, James Jaime St. Clair, who prior to today was a bonefish virgin. And now he is no longer a bonefish virgin or a barracuda virgin. Uh, but we're going to do a series of these podcasts uh, just kind of throughout the week. Chat about our fishing down here in Ascension Bay, Mexico, and uh, just chat stuff. Uh, gear, strategy, and just general flats experience. I think anybody who's planning a trip to Ascension Bay or any tropical flats is going to find a lot of this stuff helpful. So, uh, welcome to the podcast, James. What do you think of uh, flats fishing so far after a total of nine hours on the water? Yeah, it was uh, it was great. Um, you know, the day started a little bit slow, but you know, we weren't uh, we weren't bummed out about that at all. We were just searching around for fish, trying to see what we could find. And, uh, you know, as the day went on, we just changed up tactics, changed flies, changed flats, and uh, ended up catching a bunch of fish, having a bunch of great shots at some really good fish, permit, bonefish. Uh, Joe almost ended up with a grand slam at the end. We even had a shot at a tarpon there at the end. So, yeah, overall, just a really great day out on the water. Yeah, so this is your first uh, flats fishing trip, and James has done a ton of fishing. He's been a good friend of mine and guides for us. Uh, at Reds, in addition to having a super cool job as an official winemaker, that's two super sweet jobs. Um, so James, this is his first trip to Flats, and uh, you know we kind of went through day one. And you know when you when you do a big trip like this, you go through all this preparation, right? Like reading books, you're reading yep. blogs, you're watching these videos, and looking oogling over all the photos and tying flies. <laughs> yeah, and and, uh, and so we, we traveled yesterday, which was a long day. We'll kind of talk a little bit about that, but uh, it's happy hour now. We're back at the lodge, and so you'll probably... We're just doing this right in the open air at the lodge, so you'll probably hear some chaos in the background at some point as the other fishermen are rolling in uh, out of the marina there. But, uh, you know, what? Uh, you know, we're, we're only one day into this, right? But... Uh, Obviously, I mean, you saved your shuckles. This was a big trip for you to do. Um, You're a pretty regular blue collar guy. You'd saved up for this trip. Just after like, you know, all the, all the prep work that you did and getting ready to go, what are the things that are probably most surprising to you after just, you know, getting here, being in the tropical environment, getting the lodge, getting the orientation here, and then spending a day out there? What are the, what are the biggest shocks you would say? Uh, well, the biggest shock was this morning, uh, just realizing how many, how many fish are actually out on the flats, uh, you know, bonefish permit. Um, we saw a ton today and it was, uh, it it was awesome. I I wasn't expecting to see and have opportunities at that many fish. Another big shock was that the bonefish 
we kind of, Joe and I kind of talked about this earlier, actually reacted to flies like you would hope they they were supposed <laughs> to. Like they, you know, you make a cast of the bonefish and take a couple strips and they're chasing it. I mean, if you didn't catch it, they're following it almost all the way to the boat sometimes. And if you're on foot, you know, same kind of thing. Um, I would say, you know, in terms of gear and planning and everything, I feel personally like I plan pretty well. Probably, you know, brought it, brought maybe one or two extra rods than you absolutely need, but um, definitely no surprises with the with the gear. Um, you know, everything we recommend at Reds for the, for the trip works out exactly as advertised. Um, all all the all the great stuff we have for the trip is uh and, and the planning and the experience that we put into it i mean not me personally but you know everybody else just uh worked out really well i, I used almost everything that i purchased today so <laughs> that was great yeah that's a pretty good measure of whether you need it or not did it actually get used and yeah just to, to explain that uh, james coming on this trip i mean as a guest um you know i'm kind of the trip host and so I'm like the the quarterback, and I just make sure stuff runs good. And call call a few plays here and there when I need to. But you know, James coming on the trip as a customer, and uh, I, you know, and knowing James, he has been in working in the fly fishing industry for how many years? A lot, a lot. Uh, trying to think real quick off the top of my head. Yeah, 16, 18 years. So. So yeah, you started as a kid, like yeah, we all did, right? Much, and yeah. and now you're, you know, you have this other job. You you work, you know, you work hard, but. You, you saved up your money and you were able to do it. the trip that the you know yeah. the trip that the, the better half did uh you know used to do when you were working at the you know behind the counter of another fly shop not reds and you got to help them plan all these trips yep. now you're kind of on the other end of it you're like the guy planning you're going on the trip and so you 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 definitely had to study but what are the things in outside of just going on a reds hosted trip i mean as this applies for anybody what advice would you have for people who are looking into doing a flats or a tropical trip when They've decided where they're going to go. You know, something talk, spoke to them, whether it was Bahamas or Christmas Island or Belize or Ascension Bay or Cuba or whatever. Uh, what would you say the biggest aids were in trying to get your, you know, your gear, your flies, and mentally prepare for the challenge? Well, uh, you know, first off, I'm a, I'm a huge fly tire, so I purchased a, a book called Bonefish Fly Patterns. Um, but also, not just did it have fly patterns in it, it has a whole huge section on on actual fishing. Um, and so I read that cover to cover twice um, and tied a bunch of flies out of it as well. Um, the other thing that really helped me and, you know, not to not to gear y'all towards reds here, but, um, you know, uh, Joe's, Joe's, basically it's the Ascension Bay blog, like everything you need to know. I read that probably 40 or 50 times before I came down just to know what to expect. Even if you read all those things, it's gonna be different. You know, I was expecting we were gonna drive out, it's gonna be super flat water, you know, you're gonna be on a sandy beach knee deep and there's gonna be fish, you know, popping up every once in a while. And, uh, you know, it's completely different than that. So even if you're completely prepared, if you've never been on a trip before, it's good to read all those things, but just kind of, you know, you want you be okay with expecting the unexpected. Um, and it's okay to be like that. I mean, this morning I was pretty nervous uh, when I was out there. I was like, gosh, I don't know what to do. Am I going to screw up a cast? Am I going to make someone mad? Am I, I mean, you know, they're going to tell me to cast here. What if I miss it? And it's like, it's no big deal. You know, we all work as a team in the boat. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a really fun thing. But as far as, you know, learning about it, there's only so much you can read and watch. I'm sure there's some YouTube videos out there as well, but 
throughout the day we had five or six completely different experiences and one of them was like the book and it was great and then another one wasn't even close to what I read about so you know um, you just kind of expect the unexpected but also at the same time you know do as much research as you can um, reading books get obviously there's tons of information out there googling our, our blog is, again is great um, so yeah just just do as much research as you can but be okay with expecting the unexpected yeah, in that article I read, I, I, I need to make updates to it because, man, I see stuff down here. Like today I saw some stuff for the first time that I'd never seen before, and this is my ninth time here. So it's my ninth time, and I do like to share information. So, you know, our, our blog, I think it's called Everything You Need to Know About Ascension Bay. It's, it's Yeah, it's everything you need to know. It's not everything that can be known because you're always seeing new stuff. But what about just the guides in general? Like uh, just kind of how the boat, you know, the, you know, we're – you know, to brief you, the trip we're on is, you know, one that I put together reds, but this isn't too uncommon, but it's a, it's a two to two ratio. So in each panga boat, there's two guides and there's two anglers. So James and I happen to fish together today, but, uh, like what was different about the guides than you, than you thought? Like you wouldn't have known going into this your first trip to Mexico, but Sure, they're really uh, they're really good at what they do. Um, you know, you have to drive a little ways out out into some, you know, somewhat open water. It's not. It's just a little bit choppy. It's not a big deal, but really good at driving all the way out there. Um, they, you know, they speak well enough to communicate easily. Um, speak English well enough to communicate easily, um, and they're just really good at understanding what the angler wants like if you say you want to catch some bonefish they will immediately say okay well let's go do that we'll go catch some bonefish you know we started the day off today um kind of looking around for permit maybe looking for some barracuda um you know and we ended up going and on this permit kind of deep water flat then we ended up doing a bonefish walk and then we got into some permit after that and um, you know, it's just, it's just the, they, they know what to do to keep everybody happy. Um, and they're just really friendly guys. Very, very appreciative that we're down here. Obviously we're very appreciative that they're, you know, taking us out and doing this. So it's just a real mutual appreciation between them. And, uh, yeah, just obviously I've only fished with the two guides that we, uh, fished with today. Um, but yeah, just awesome guys. And, uh, you know, they're really conscious of what is going on in the boat what's going on around them not only are they looking for fish they're controlling the boat one guy's pulling around looking for fish the other guy's tending the tending the line on the deck and then for example if joe's up on the deck casting for looking for permit i was always standing up with my barracuda rod just in case one popped up and there was a couple times we were almost like oh man now i gotta put the barracuda rod away and grab the permit rod because one showed up so you're always busy and they're keeping you busy, but they're also really conscious of tending to, to the angler's needs. Very good at picking out flies as well. Yeah, those guys are, they're funny, aren't they? They're awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's a good time. Like they, they poke fun. I mean, it, it's just, yeah, it's, it's very it's a, personable. Yeah. And, and uh, you've only met the two guides, but like all the guides were here at the lodge for, for breakfast this morning. And, yep. uh, you know, you can just hear them chattering. You know, I, they're rattling off in Spanish. I speak about total of about 20 words in Spanish. Uh, is also, I don't know what they're saying, but just good, joyful bunch and uh, the good crew that we're fishing with here. 
uh, as far as, uh, you know, on the flats, let's just talk about kind of how our day went down. Um, you know, we, we went out on kind of the more open water side this morning and, uh, you know, that was my fault. I got Okay. <laughs> Joe thought he knew, knew where we should go. So I'd kind of urge the guides to try to go find these tarp in open water that I'd seen there like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> they might have moved by now. now I, I, there's this area that I really have some fond memories of, and I'd asked them if it was a good opportunity to do it. Of course, they're people pleasers. Yeah, we'll go try that. We get out there, and it was the water was milky. You know, the wind wasn't right for it. There was a little bit more float, like uh, just, uh, I can't remember the Spanish word, Saragusa or something. I, I don't know. There was floating grass. There was a little bit of surface debris and some other stuff, and it just didn't look good. And, and uh, we were there for about 30 minutes, and we wait. We did bust one permit that we just about pulled over with the boat because the water was milky. We couldn't see it. Blew that permit out of there. That thing's like in Costa Rica by now. That thing was out of here big time. And then, uh, then we wrapped it up, and we went around to the lee side and got out of the wind a little bit. The wind was probably a steady 10 today. Um, not unbearable. Not um, at all. It could have been flatter, you know, when you got on the lee side of some of those spits, you could see what it's like when it's really glassy, but... But talking to the guides, they said that's also more difficult fishing conditions because the fish can see the fly land easier and... Oh, of course. Yeah, Yeah. so it's actually nice that little chop is what they they said. Yeah, I thought today was pretty, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10 as far as conditions, it was like a six and a half, seven. you know. A lot of mixed light. Uh, We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Yeah, as far as... Mixed Legos, like, man, I'll tell you, like, I, I know a lot of these things because I've, you know, I've been here nine times and I've been to Christmas Island a few times and a couple other trips, but, like, when we were walking for bonefish, just the skill of being able to go, when the clouds come over, disciplining yourself to stop, quit moving around and making noise, you know, these bonefish, you blow them out at 20, 25 feet, you know, in the cloud cover, and you're not going to see them again. You're just not going to get an opportunity to that fish. They're going to blow off the flat. So, like, you know, when it gets when the clouds would blow over, you know, like a few years ago, I would just keep walking. Like, I'll just keep pushing. I'm a mover and a shaker, man. I just, like, think I think if I cover a lot of ground, I'm going to have success. But, you know, when those clouds came over today, like numerous times, both on the permit and the bonefish, you have to stop walking. You know, like, clouds come. All right, let's just chill for a second. And uh, you wait, cloud blows over, then all of a sudden the lights had come on several times today. As soon as the lights came on, we stopped. Those fish had moved up on us, so we weren't making any waves, we weren't moving. And this is a huge tip, you know, as well, that that I think I've written in a couple of blogs, but it's much easier to see bonefish if you're not moving, right? So... In, in for those that are listening that haven't been on a bonefish trip before, maybe you have, or maybe you fish bonefish a lot, and maybe you haven't thought this out, is if you're stopped and you're looking, bonefish are always moving. Other than when they're they're tailing a little bit, they might stall out, but they're pretty much moving all the time. They're traveling, just picking up shrimp on the go. It's very easy to see something and identify that it's a moving shadow or a moving object because bonefish are really like a mirage, right? Like, they're hard to see. They're hard to see. Uh, You know, you got that mirage moving across the flat. When you're moving, you know, the shadow chop is moving. There's a little bit of waves. The clouds are blowing over, creating some strange moving shadows. There's all these different elements that emulate, you know, artificial motion. 
and you, you, when you're walking, it's very difficult to pick up what's actually moving. And then you stop and you go, wow, you look around for five seconds and you're like, oh, there's like four bone, you know, four good sized bonefish cruising left to right. You can actually see, identify those shadows that are moving about the same rate as the, you know, the wind chop that's also creating shadows. So I, uh, I was reminded of that today several times. Like when a cloud blows over, just stop, chill out, wait a minute. I got to equate it to hunting white-tailed deer, right? You don't just, if you were going hunting, you wouldn't just go busting through the woods at a steady clip. I would, well, you wouldn't be very successful hunter, you know. <laughs> deer would be running out the other end of the thicket, right? So you would move, you would stop, you would move, you would stop, and you would move only at strategic times once you knew that area was, you know, void of your prey. So so we did the uh, the walking thing. So what would you think of, uh, what you think of walking? So, yeah, the walking was great. And just to, yeah, just to kind of, you know, follow up with what Joe's talking about, the mixed light. I mean, it is, if, if the shadow, if a cloud comes over and blocks the sun for a minute, I mean, you can't see a thing. You can see like five feet in front of you. And, you know, even the, luckily, you know, if you're new, the guy's like, Hey, just stop for a second. You know, we're just going to wait till this cloud passes and you can look up at the cloud and see it's only going to take two minutes. So it's not like you're losing any, you know, losing like a ton of time, um, you know, and then maybe you walk another 10 minutes and then, you know, you stop, um, stop again. But the walk is, is very cool for me. It was, it was unbelievable because obviously I've never been down here before. I never caught a bonefish really, you know, the only fishing I'd done was a saltwater tarpon trip long ago. So the walk, you get out and you know, it was, it was kind of slow going for a little bit. We started walking, we didn't see any fish. There was plenty bright out. And then all of a sudden, you know, stuff just starts to happen. That's like the cool, that was my favorite part is when stuff just presents itself all of a sudden. And once that happens one time, you're so stoked for that next presentation, you know, for the next thing to present itself. And all of a sudden the time starts to fly. You're like, wow, we've only, you know, you, you don't even realize how long you've been out on the flat and you're just like, okay, well let's find the next thing. So, you know, walking, um, basically it's also really difficult to see the fish, even if it's bright out, even if you think you're a good fish spotter, it is extremely difficult to see bonefish and permit. And so, you know, your guide's telling you, oh, cast 20 feet, uh, seven o'clock cast 20 feet 11 o'clock and you're like I don't see anything what is he talking about and all of a sudden you strip you know he tells you strip strip and then all of a sudden whoa fish hit your fly and it's like oh my gosh there was a fish there yeah and the that gets you really excited too the invisible fish man I yeah caught a lot of invisible fish and then ghost <laughs> yes. fish you're like no I'm looking at this empty spot of sand exactly. there's nothing but sand there why is he making me cast there is he just trying to keep me interested yeah and to explain, so the crew we're fishing with, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I, you know, you're going to make your own decisions on where you fish, where you schedule trips. You know, we hope that you, you know, at least consider reds for hosting a trip down here. But the crew we fish with is a two-to-two ratio. And I never really got finished explaining this because I saw a squirrel and we chased it. Uh, but the two-to-two ratio allows you to do what James and I did today. And that is James uh, and and stayed in the boat and you dropped my guide uh saltiel and i off at one point i grabbed my backpack had my guide carry a an extra rod so the guy carried my barracuda rod for me i carried my bonefish rod and we wanted to go do a little bonefish beat down in this this area so they dropped me off and they kept pulling the boat uh down and well you guys you might have pulled the boat down but 
Point being, they dropped me off and then they shuttled the boat down. And so I had my own guide. I'm walking along. We explored a bunch of lagoons. It was great. We went back in the shallow water. I got shots at some great tailing bonefish. Um, you know, for where we're at in the Yucatan, you know, five to six pound bonefish is a trophy. I mean, and that doesn't sound like a big fit. You know, like it doesn't sound like a huge fish. Like, oh, bone, you know, Hawaii gets great bonefish. Christmas Island gets a bigger bonefish. But even the Bahamas. Dude, you throw at a five to six pound bonefish in skinny water, you know, six to 12 inches of water, that's a good adrenaline rush. And I had that today. I got some shots at some tailors in the lagoon. You guys took the boat down further. You jumped out. You hiked. We fished through our lagoon. Then my guide and I, they, he knew where to pick up the boat. He picked up the boat. And then we pulled down towards you. I got a shot at another big five pound bonefish that... That one just didn't eat. I actually made a really good cast at it. I, I made some bad cast today um, and blew out some permit later on that we'll tell you about. But uh, I actually made a good cast at that fish. And while I was casting at that one, about a three to four foot barracuda pops up behind me. Of course, I always have the wrong rod in my hand. You know, like I should have had a barracuda rod, you know, after I missed the bonefish. Barracuda swims by and then we pulled the boat down and uh, ate a sandwich while you were in that lagoon, but you'd found a little permit and some bonefish in that lagoon. Exactly. Yeah, in about, yeah, probably a foot of water. Maybe. <sighs> I mean, it was great. And the, the interesting thing, fishing in that lagoon, it would, you could actually see the fish. So when there's no chop on the water, you can see the fish a little bit better. Also, the sand in that area um, was a little bit different colored. So, well, I, the sand probably wasn't, but the water was basically clear. You could see a lot easier whereas out in the ocean there's that blue tint to it and the fish are kind of that color as well so they're they're more difficult to see but yeah it was it was amazing to uh to actually see the fish and cast to them and I, there was tons of bonefish and, and basically we were in like a little lake that you know was i mean it was basically i mean there was you could see where the where the um, flat was actually coming into the lake area but yeah lagoon um, but yeah, I mean, it was just this little area completely, completely, uh, covered by, cover, uh, surrounded by mangroves and just one little inlet on the way in. And I mean, just, yeah, a foot of water, tons of bonefish. And we even saw the guide was extremely surprised. There was a permit back there. He was like, Oh my gosh, Palomito, I can't believe. Yeah. So it was a, he was, we chased that around for a while. But again, another thing that happens too is a cloud will come over and the lights turn off you can't see even in that clear flat water you can't see anything and then when the lights turn back on the cloud passes the sun comes out the fish are gone and so you just you know you you look around for them if you can't find them hey on to the next on to the next project basically yeah and and it's not it doesn't take very long for something else to to happen so yeah that you know i'll call it a two to two but it's a one to one ratio but that that guide ratio is awesome like, I mean, we were so much more mobile. We were able to cover so much more water. And nothing against the other lodges, you know, but, you know, Red's, the lodges we use in Ascension Bay, we're fishing two to two. You know, we want two guides to the boat, two anglers, and that way we can jump out, chase a permit. Like we did later, we did that a whole bunch. Yep. So that was about lunchtime. So we, yes. we then we picked the boat up, right? So yep. we bring the boat down and that was like that was sweet right i caught a few bonefish i you know i didn't quite get a shot at that big cuda but we come to pick you up we have a sandwich and a beer and we were going to uh we were going to relocate shortly thereafter we yep. were going to go out and actually try to catch these i've never caught amberjack here before so i've been here nine times right <laughs> and i think oh okay i've caught everything and the guy said yeah i know a spot where we can go try to catch some cobia 
and some amberjack. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I've never, I've been here enough times I would think I've caught most everything. So I'm pretty stoked about that. But then we're like, oh, we better go check out. There's a school of bonefish that were uh, flashing, right? Yep. So in bonefish fishing, our preference would be to fish singles or doubles or triples, you know, a little bit more mature fish. You know, we're not trophy hunters per se, but we'd prefer to fish, you know, more mature fish in the shallows where we can see an individual fish. And what you said about being in the lagoon and being able to see the fish better, for, for me, there's a lot of enjoyment in that. Like I would prefer, you know, one or two of those in an afternoon than 20, you know, in the schools. Yeah. And, uh, but you just... For anybody who hasn't been here before, if you just if you're at all nervous about whether you are going to catch enough fish to keep you happy, would you say we we squash that? I would say yeah, but yeah, <laughs> exactly. far exceeded expectations. I was uh, you know I was I was expecting because saltwater fishing you know the way you set the hooks a little bit different. The castings, you know, it's a, you, obviously you should practice your casting before you come um, on a windy day would be great. You know, there's a little different few different situations, but for the most part, I mean you're going to get tons of shots at fish and once you get it dialed in i mean you're just you're basically yeah there you catch plenty of fish yeah the uh, the guides can take you to schools of bonefish you know and that's a great way to do it your first couple days here um we try to anybody who's a less experienced angler overall and definitely you know if there's a new angler in the group like you've invited a friend to do this trip don't sweat it if they can cast 30 feet the guides are going to find schools of bonefish they're going to get good hook setting opportunities those fish, uh, they're, they're big fun. What do you think about, uh, how strong a bonefish is? Yeah. So just real quick. Yeah. I mean, uh, half the time you're just like walking and all of a sudden he's like, Oh, 20 feet right in front of you, 20 feet right in front of you. And so you half the time you roll, he says a roll cast, you know, I mean, these fish, you come up on them so quick. So, uh, yeah, don't worry about how, you know, not being able to throw an 80 foot cast out there. A lot of times, like we were saying, you know, I, opportunities present themselves and they come up on you quick and they end up being close but man when you hook a bonefish for the first time you're like oh great i got, got a bonefish and so you know you kind of do the strip set and a little tug of war thing and, and it kind of starts off you're like okay cool i got them on and then all of a sudden all the line that you had out so about 80 feet of it is gone <laughs> and you're trying to keep tension on them and i mean yeah they take a while to get in even i caught a lot of little little bonefish today that fought uh really hard really hard and i caught a couple really nice ones where yeah i mean they fight they fight really well yeah it was impressive yeah i never saw my backing today i didn't i didn't get any bigger bonefish but uh you know my biggest bonefish is about seven or eight pounds on christmas island and Gosh, those things, they, they just, bonefish are an incredible species because they have to swim faster than the predators. Yep. You know, by just natural selection, they've got to swim fast. So, but yeah, the bonefish fight great. You know, we got, we found those schools of bonefish and I, I, I mean, I just like catching fish, right? I wasn't going to sit there for hours, but I'm like, okay, well, you know, let's poke around and, and fish that school of bonefish. But didn't we just like kind of pull out and, and they said, oh, let's go take a look at the School of Bonefish. We were having lunch like on the beach and then we pulled out and they said, oh, we're going to check and see if there's permit there. I The guides thought maybe, I mean, the guides are great. Um, before I tell the, you know, kind of the saga, the permit saga for the afternoon, and I did land a permit, by the way, today. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. But James and I were joking because like, you know, James has fished the Florida Keys. He's fished trout a lot. I mean, you're, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better trout angler. But we were looking at each other going, 
when those permit, the first permit that you threw out in the morning, the big permit, we were looking at each other going, dude, we would be lost out here without our guides. Yes. I mean, we're pretty capable fishermen, but we're like, they're telling James to cast, and I've got, you know, for a gringo, I've got pretty decent eyes for the fish, and I like, man, I couldn't pick them up until they were right on top of us, and they, that was 20 seconds after they'd spotted them, you know, coming, you know, they kind of came from our, I guess that would have been left to right, and they did, came up to the boat and kind of did an about face about where you threw at them. I think they kind of sensed the boat. That might have been part of why you weren't able to hook up. But, like, we would be lost out there without the guides. I mean, not just polling, but just seeing the fish, identifying the species. You know, like, they know the species so fast. You know, like, where we might see a dark spot or a mirage, they know, like, oh, that's a permit. Or, no, that's, you know, a, a three-pack of bonefish. So the guides are exceptional right i mean they really are it's it's uh i i try not to pretend i'm helpless you know i don't want to feel helpless but the guys are really good i mean i can't imagine doing even considering doing a trip like this without an extremely capable guide on the especially on like the one-to-one ratio so that you've got a guy right there a caddy right there with you talking you through the whole process yeah and there's no way to practice spotting fish in the salt water i mean there's just no way to do it so if you come down you're, yeah you're gonna realize how heavily you rely upon the guides and just like joe said it was like they're spotting permit 100 feet away and you're like i don't i don't see anything and all of a sudden they're like oh cats 40 feet 40 feet right in front of you and you're like oh okay finally there they are so yeah but there's a lot of different situations i mean there was sometimes too you know a lot of it just depends on again you know the the difference in light how how fast the currents not necessarily the current, but the, you know, the chop is, how much the chop is. And there was a couple times where, um, you know, I did, I did see the fish and, you know, they're usually closer, but I still probably wouldn't have seen them if I wasn't standing there with my guide. And he, you know, was like, oh, right there. <laughs> if he's like holding your hand and taking your hand and yeah. pointing to the fish. Yes, exactly. Well, not only that, but they also know where to go. If you're, you know, we went to that, like we said, we went to that kind of open water spot in the morning if we would have gone and done that because joe remembered it and then said okay well that didn't work let's go somewhere else we would have had no idea where to go what flat to go to where you know those guys knew okay well you guys want to catch some bonefish well we're going to go over here and guess what happened we caught a ton of bonefish so they immediately yeah um and uh you know there's lots of little tips i should do a different podcast on this but in working with your guide like your international guide let's say and this could mean you know you're in christmas island it could mean you're in bahamas mexico las rocas venezuela wherever you are there's some universal things you can do with your guide asking your guide to point pointing your rod and having him move your rod towards the fish especially the first few fish to help you get acclimated so that you have that nine foot rod pointed out there and he takes and he points the rod at the fish because your your odds of catching that fish are increased about five times if you can see it yes if you can see the fish you're much more likely to catch it so sometimes you will sacrifice a couple of you know hail marys to get a couple of very good shots on fish but uh that's one of them the other one is you know you go ahead and throw a cast and then ask the guy how far the cast is how far is 20 feet? My experience, 20 feet is actually about 40 feet down here. They say 20 <laughs> feet and it's actually a pretty long cast. Or maybe 20 feet is 20 feet and I'm just that crappy of a caster <laughs> down here. Uh, 
but there's ways to like just kind of get some syntax and term terminology and uh, some communication established with your guide early and asking him to point and uh, and then ask him to show you how how fast do you want me to strip uh, and that kind of stuff but anyway back to the to the post launch program so prior to lunch we we looked for some big tarpon in the open water we were actually hoping to see big barracuda out there james got uh, I don't think I got a shot at a permit in the front half today. They, we saw one when I was on deck, but it blew out for the boat. And I uh, kind of remember throwing like somewhat of a cast in that general direction, but it was real exciting. You actually got a pretty legit shot. You, yep. you, and you made a good cast on it uh, the second time. You might have uh, you might have foobarred that first one just a little yes, bit. Yes, just but, a little bit. <laughs> but uh, to your credit, you made an excellent shot on that second. It was just wasn't meant to be permit or picky, but... We did the big, bigger permit thing in the morning. Then we went and did a bonefish walk where we split up each with our own guide. Then we had a sandwich, and then uh, we were going to take off. And the guys said, well, there's a school of bonefish out there, and they can actually see them flashing. So those smaller bonefish will often sit a little bit deeper in a big school for safety. And the guides could see them flashing. And uh, they thought, well, if those, those bonefish are making pretty good mud, there might be permit around them. Sure enough. So... We pull out there just to look. They see the permit, and I actually did see those permit too, and uh, which I felt pretty good a couple of times today. I saw fish before the guide, but I think it's because he was like blinking or looking the other yeah, way. Yeah, probably like, looking in a different direction. Yeah, he was looking <laughs> in a different direction. But I, I really encourage anybody who's going flats fishing, you need to participate at a high level. You need to try to outspot the guide. You're not going to get better. And I also encourage you when you're on a good bonefish fishing day. Have the guide shadow you for 30 minutes. Make all your own spots, all your own decisions, and all your own casts. Your fishing will get a lot better quick. Um, do it on a good day where it's not real high stakes. If you miss a few opportunities big, and you blow a few, big deal. But there's nothing more rewarding than spotting your own fish in salt water, hunting it down, making, determining its tra- you know path of travel, making a good shot and, and the right moves. But I did see the permit, which they'd already seen him, but I felt pretty good because it was a long ways away. And I thought, okay, wow, okay, we're, we're, we're in. So they backed the boat off, and we actually used bonefish flies. Mm-hmm. We were in really yep. shallow water. And uh, how important would you say fly, just a, having a good selection of flies is? Yeah, I tied, uh, I tied a lot of flies, and uh, you know I didn't tie all the right ones. So I realized <laughs> where I'm not going to use a lot of the flies, but uh, I did tie a few of the right ones. And so, you know, there's definitely flies that work really well. I tried to come up with a couple of my own patterns and we ended up kind of just going, you know, I caught a couple fish on flies that I tied, but not necessarily a pattern that I created. I just copied a lot of, a lot of flies, but uh, definitely a good idea to have a, a very large selection of, and different weights as well of, of shrimp, of mantis shrimp, probably in sizes, you know, two down to eight. Um, you know, we generally fished a four or a six today, but you know, in that size range in multiple different patterns, we caught permit bonefish, even caught a bear, little, you know, one foot long barracuda on, on the mantis shrimp. So there's definitely a lot of mantis shrimp down here and the fish are, are for sure keyed in on them. Yeah. It, uh, it's funny cause I mean, you can buy a lot of flies yeah. and you feel like you, you I mean, you have a lot, like I've got 10,000. No, I don't quite 10,000, but I've got a lot of flies, but uh, today they wanted a shrimp pattern that were larger shrimp, the guides did, and, and it was fitting. They're not just being prima donnas about flies, but 
they wanted a larger shrimp pattern with bead chain eyes. Yep. So there's a certain balance of like weight versus fly and size because we wanted to exclude the bonefish from biting our flies. So they really wanted the bigger shrimp pattern. They also wanted a light because they said in that situation, and this happened to me, that if, if the fly sinks too deep in the water column, the bonefish are more aggressive and they will eat it before the permit. The permit are actually willing to eat it higher in the water column. Which, so they, they're very picky about the, the size of fly that they wanted and the weight of the fly. So um, we, we go out and I end up getting out of the boat pursuing the school of permit. So we pursue the school of permit and uh, they're, they're small permit. They're anywhere from like two to six, eight pounds, um, you know, smaller on average, not what you see in the Drake magazine or any of that stuff, but still a permit. It's pretty damn cool. Uh, but I get out and I pursue the fish and I make, uh, uh, I'm trying to stay away from the bonefish. Believe it or not, we're trying to avoid catching bonefish. It's a great situation to be in. So we go out and we kind of have to wait and the clouds blow over. We get some dark light, dark light, dark light. And uh, I make a really good shot. The school comes by broadside at 40, you know, 40 to 50 feet. It was a long enough cast that it was a little, you know, I had to get it right. But you're wading waist deep, so casting's also a little tougher when you're wading waist deep. But gosh, I put what I thought was just the perfect shot on those fish. Strip, 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 nothing. Made another shot uh, a few minutes later at the school. And so what was happening is the school of permit was basically orbiting around the school of bonefish because the bonefish were doing a lot of the dirty work, kicking up food, and the permit were kind of tailgating them and uh, gobbling stuff up. So, uh, made another shot at some permit, hook a bonefish. Bonefish intercepts it. I yard the bonefish in pretty quick. It was a smaller one, but even on an eight weight, man, those things yeah. are like, I was throwing an old eight weight today because one of the guys on the trip, I don't know if you knew this, but Todd forgot his saltwater eight weight. No, I did not know that. One of our guests on the trip forgot, how do you forget your eight weight? Yeah. And he's going to listen to this and laugh, <laughs> like, that's something good. So Todd forgot his saltwater eight weight. So he actually had an eight weight motive that he loves, sage motive. And uh, I loaned him my sage motive, which I really like. And so I was using like his old sage brown color VPS. And it's funny, I first mentioned to you like, oh, I'm using this sage VPS. And you go, a little soft, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm using this rod and, and, but even with that eight, and it's number eight, you know, it should still be pretty strong, but I try to land that bonefish as fast as I can. And I'm like, man, this thing's fighting super hard. As I'm landing the bonefish, literally, we're trying to get the bonefish unhooked without hurting it. This school of permit is swimming by in like slow motion at like 25 to 30 feet, just far enough to where I can safely make a cast and they're not gonna see me whipping the rod around or any shadow, but just close enough to where it's like, this is a slam dunk. Well, there's no such thing as slam dunk in permit fishing, but it was about as close to a slam dunk as you can get. He gets the bonefish unhooked finally, and then I make some like Hail Mary behind me and I don't get anything. Same situation happens about 10 minutes later. We're looking one direction and uh, we're waiting, 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 you know, just, and we're, we're kind of in ambush, you know, I guess would be the best way to look at it. And the permit, the school of permit kind of comes in the back door and like they, they came from my, uh, they were coming from my left to right, but it was more like a direct three o'clock angle, like, like as a right hander to turn my whole body in a crosswind and like cast at three o'clock would have been horribly difficult. So they were coming from like three o'clock to six o'clock. They were gonna be straight behind me. 
And with your, it's it, listen podcast, you're like, well, that's not really a problem. I'll just turn around a cast. Well, your line is kind of like your all your line is laying in the water, and you, to turn your body with your line laying in the water is kind of hard, right? Because then the line's being drugged across your waist as you go to cast and move it or shoot a little line. And I, I just waited. I go, I go. Oh man, they were coming to the back door. I threw like a little back cast. It was like a, I was like, it was like I told James. I'm like, it was like martial arts fly fishing. It was like, like a little jab, like right behind me, like one of those reverse punch things that works in the movies, but never any other times. So I did like the little six o'clock. Like I flipped my back cast back about like I don't know how far it was, but it wasn't very far. I joked. It was like, I was like, yeah, I made this most amazing 15 foot cast you've ever seen. And then I stripped it once and he ate it like 14 feet away. Everything that permit fishing is not. And I, I threw this little back cast flip behind me. But to my credit, I will tell you like your ability when those fish get close and you should listen to this very closely, your ability to hold still and not make a lot of commotion and turn your body and let your hands splash the water change your footing, change your posture. By the time those permit or whatever species you're going for are that close, you had better be a little bit ninja-like. And then when I say martial arts, I'm like, you know, it's gotta be a quick, you know, like quiet, you know, little shot. So I threw this little douche, you know, I threw it behind me. And uh, I literally, I believe the leader was entering my guides when I hooked the permit. So I just held suit, tried to hold super cool and believe I've done this a hundred times and not caught them. And you just got to stay the course. But anyway, strip, tied into the permit, got a great little permit and uh, they fight great. They're like a little propeller. You know, I mean, things are strong. But so got the little permit, which is great. And James was doubled up at the same time, I think. Yep, with you know, bonefish. Yeah, so James had a bonefish on about 80 feet away. He was in the boat with his guy. Yep. They stayed in the boat because they were kind of like, the eyes in the sky, and I should point that out. I'm, again, I'm not selling a patent on the two to two ratio, but like fishing the two to two ratio, James was in the boat with his guide, and they were he had a guide on the polling deck backing me up. He's on the casting deck. Their guide is communicating with my guide, who's asking, he's my guide's giving hand signals because he's right down on the fish. His guide's talking to my guide. And, and so my guy's trying to stay quiet and pretty stealth mode and the guide on the deck can say, yes, there's permit at, you know, the school's at one o'clock, you know, get ready or they're going away, relax for a minute. So the James is in the boat being pulled around, catching bonefish. I was, you know, laying a permit, which is pretty sweet. So that was pretty cool. Land the permit. It's just a little guy, but it's still a, it's still a great reward. Permit's a, a special fish, but, uh, you got on to good school permit after that. Yeah, so basically there was a, a lot of permit on the on that particular flat we were on. All of a sudden they kind of showed up and they were kind of hanging around, just as Joe was saying, those schools of bonefish. And so Joe had kind of come back towards the boat, I think maybe to like change flies or something like that. And so I hopped out with his guide and then Joe got back in the water with uh, the my guy that was pulling pulling us around for bonefish and then we both were out in the water they threw the anchor in the out of the boat they anchored up the boat and then we got out and we were both walking around this flat kind of chasing these permit around and it was really fun you know there was 
permit just kind of, they, they pop up and then they disappear. But yeah, all of a sudden we were walking in this one area and we hadn't seen any for a while. And we kept seeing bonefish flash. And so we were kind of, we were kind of following those bonefish flashing. And all of a sudden this group of about a dozen, like, you know, pretty smaller permit, like we're talking about two to two to six, seven pounds. It, you see the tails and the, and the adipose, or not the adipose, but the dorsal fin, it's, they're, they're black. That's the only part of the fish you can really see and their tails were almost even sticking out of the water a little bit. Yeah, huge forked, uh, very skinny tails. So it almost looks a little bit like the turtle glass, the turtle grass that's floating around. And all of a sudden I see these fish, I saw it right as the same time, at the same time uh, the guide I was working with did. Put a cast right in there, took one strip and had the same thing that uh, had happened to Joe. I, I felt it eat, I set the hook and missed him. So I was pretty bummed about that, but we just kept kept walking around, and I think Joe and his guide at that time were also having schools kind of every once in a while, like they were just circling around on this flat, following these bonefish around. The only problem at that time was there were some pretty big clouds going over, so we would we would be on the fish, and then all of a sudden a cloud would come over, and it would last for a couple of minutes, and and the cloud would go away, and then it was like, well, shoot, where'd they go? <laughs> and so we would just keep walking around and. You know, we saw them. We saw them a few times. We made a couple more casts, but you know, they're 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 fast. They're moving the wrong way. Maybe they're not eating. They're they're going over to the next school of bonefish or whatever. So, um, but it overall it was great. And then uh, you know, at that at that point, it was about time to time to kind of head back. But Joe was so close to a grand slam. We asked if we could stop and uh, and make a little shot at a couple tarpon right around an island that's about halfway in between the the lodge and uh, where we were fishing. Yeah, so I've never gotten a grand slam. I've gotten it. Uh, you know what? I don't even think I've gotten a grand slam in a whole week because uh, you know the weeks I've landed permit, I don't think I've landed tarpon. Um, and I never really thought about it until today. You know, like oh, I need to get a grand slam. Uh, but yeah, we, we, you know, I'd gotten uh, several bonefish and got the permit and then we thought, well, let's try it. Well, we actually would have had a lot better shot at getting the tarpon, but we got tied into those schools of permit. We were there for yeah. about three hours totally on foot doing the permit thing. And I ended up busting another permit off and James and I somehow ended up switching rods because <laughs> I think the guy liked the fly that was on mine. So like when he went with you, he's like, oh, we're going to use this fly. And the fly was a Craven's bonefish junk was what I got my permit on, which is a bigger shrimp pattern that's got bead chain eyes, so it's still relatively light. See, when it's light, I talked about it being up in the column, it also allows you to be more aggressive and put it closer to the fish. You know, when it lighter flies, you can put closer to the fish, they're more likely to see it. And I blew out two schools, two groups of permit today with too heavy a fly. And the guide told me I would, but I didn't. Normally I put a couple of flies in my hat and I stocked the fish with a couple extra flies in my hat, and the ones I had in my hat were just happened to be heavy. And uh, so I put the heavy one on after they refused the first one. Anyway, long story short, put the big old, you know, lead eyes or whatever, the brass eyes, doink, put those over the permit and relocated them. Uh, but we did the permit thing for like three hours. And yep. then uh, we thought, hey, well, let's try, you know, if there's a shot at a couple of tarpeted men. Yeah, so I've been here nine trips, which is, you know, well, I spent about 50 days on the flats down here. So I've got a pretty good sample size of what the fishing is like, you know, and years give you reflection too. But what we saw with today with that nurse, there was a nurse shark in against the mangroves with a couple of tarpon tailgating the nurse shark. 
which was crazy. Like we saw the shark, which is like super sweet. Like, hey, James, get some video of the shark. And then all of a sudden we're like, they're like, the tar and then they're like, Sabalo, you know, Spanish for tarpon. Sabalo, Sabalo. And I'm like, where? And, and then I saw the tarpon sitting right behind. They actually thought it might have been a permit. It was the first yes, thing. Yes, the first thing they thought it was a permit. They thought it was a permit. That was a big permit behind the shark, but it was a kind of a, you know, it was a, it was a juvie tarpon. You know, I mean, the tarpon here in Ascension Bay, you're looking at anything from five to thirty pounds. You know, I've I've cast and fished a hundred pounds here, but uh, mostly what we're fishing, the times that we do, we're going to be five to you know thirty, forty pounds. You know, I've hooked some fifties. You know, I've not been able to land those ones, but. So I take the shot and, and they're like, yeah, I mean, they pretty much tell me to put it like, all, excuse me, on the shark's tail, like right against the mangroves. I mean, how cool does that get, right? Like, okay, not only are you casting a tarpon, you're casting on the tail of a shark against the bushes. Like, let's add some texture to this as well. So that was pretty cool. And all the times I've been down here, that was a first time for me. It was casting on the tail of a shark. I've seen permit tailgate stingrays, which we saw today. We did see that, yep. We've seen tail, our permit tailgate the school's bonefish, which we saw today. But tarpon tailgating the nurse shark, never seen that. Yeah, that was pretty neat. That was really cool to see the shark. Yeah, so it, all in all, it was a good day. Uh, one of our one of our buddies down here, Troy, landed a big permit today. Yep. Um, Scotty landed a permit. We haven't even talked to a handful of the other guys, but we know of three permits so far that have been landed, but we kind of went to lockdown to record this podcast. But we're going to uh, we're gonna record again later in the week, probably if something super amazing happens tomorrow, we might do it, but probably later in the week, catch up with you, give you another update on the Bonefish, the bonefish Virgin's first trip <laughs> to Ascension Bay. So this has been Angling Solutions with Red's Fly Shop. I'm your host, Joe Roeder, and thanks to James St. Clair for being on today. Thanks.